This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to take a look at how the coronavirus is impacting MMA. I'm going to react to Dana White's disastrous interview on ESPN. Plus, we check in with Factory X coach Mark Montoya for a UFC Brasilia and coronavirus discussion. It's the Luke Thomas Show. It airs weekdays right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156, 3 to 6 p.m. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone is sort of getting through this weirdness as best they can. Uh, we had a show yesterday, sort of. I was able to put a, a sort of home-produced podcast together. I am not exactly sure what the future holds for next week. And frankly, I'm not exactly sure what the entirety of sports radio across the country is supposed to do because it looks like we're headed towards a world where there is just no sports at all globally. Um, I don't think that there's any major sporting event this weekend anywhere in any sport. Um, there is UFC Brasilia, but the time is still possible for that to be stopped. And I cannot believe they're going forward with it. I find it incredibly irresponsible that they are. We'll talk about that in a minute. But short of that, there's nothing happening. Premier League games are canceled. Uh, races have been canceled. ATP tennis canceled. Individual conference games for... NCAA basketball canceled. The entirety of March Madness canceled. All of NCAA athletics canceled. Major League Baseball suspending spring training and pushing back the start of the season two weeks. By the way, I think it's going to be a lot longer than two weeks before all of this resumes. NHL season suspended. NBA season suspended. Football, American football still on track for its opening debut. But you know the, the draft is not till May, so okay, that could be a little bit different by then. I guess we'll have to see. But every entity, by the way, XFL suspended. Um, Bare Knuckle FC suspended. Top Rank Boxing, Shakur Stevenson's title fight suspended. Canceled, really. Postponed, whatever you want to call. Not taking place. The only ones who are going forward that I can really tell are is the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And I have to tell you, I find that unbelievably outrageous I cannot believe they are doing it to be quite honest with you uh, I guess I can in certain res- respects but really I can't it's one of those I can I can't things right where you're you're not actually surprised but you're still kind of surprised you know but uh, I mentioned um, let me give you a bit of an update so Bellator 241 was initially going to go forward as planned then they decided and it was going to be on Mohegan Sun territory so I'm not sure how that works related to um Governance by the state there, they since they, they operate independently, but nevertheless. So what happened was, they said, all right, you know what, here's what we'll do. We'll hold it in Uncasville at the Mohegan Sun Arena, but we'll just kill, kill off the audience. Right? We'll just do it behind closed doors. Okay, that's better, but still it's a problem. And then ultimately, they just decided we have to cancel the whole thing. Now, they made the fighters cut weight. I don't know if they're going to be paid. I don't know what the situation is there. But 241, Bellator 241, scheduled for tonight, which was supposed to be a featherweight title fight, by the way, Pedro Carvalho taking on um, Patricio Freire, canceled or postponed or whatever you want to say. By the way, Bellator does not have another card until the beginning of May, 
So they've got a nice period here to figure out what the hell they're going to do. Uh, the case of UFC Brasilia, and I just can't believe they're going to go forward with it. I guess I can. I guess I can. Um, here is the deal with that. They had initially, we're just going to go planned as normal. And then the government of Brazil made them uh, take out um, an audience. So they decided to do that. And they're just going to go forward with it anyway. Which to me is so shocking and so irresponsible, I barely know what to say about it. Understand that Bob Arum and Top Rank were supposed to put on a Shakur Stevenson fight in New York City this weekend. And they were going to do the same thing. Let's just have it. No media. Let's just have it. Personnel, commission, fighters, that's it. We'll broadcast it. Take a hit at the gate. The whole nine yards. But then the commission said, we're not going to be able to test any of these guys for coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. So they could give it to each other. They could go back and give it to their loved ones. We have no real ability to test it. So because they couldn't do COVID-19 testing, they called the whole thing off. CAB MMA, which is the relevant athletic commission in Florida, Florida, uh, Brazil, it's the relevant athletic commission in Brazil, has stated explicitly they are not testing any of these fighters for COVID-19. And UFC is just going to go march ahead with it anyway. Can you believe how irresponsible that is? COVID-19 is not dangerous to fighters. These are guys and women, typically in their 20s and 30s, who are not going to suffer. The point about COVID-19 is it's a bit of a litmus test, right? Even at age 40, I'm not really worried about me. The point about it is it is contagious and it affects susceptible populations far worse and the idea is that even if you might live and be just fine certain people are going to require hospitalization certain people are going to require intensive care and others are just going to outright die when you say and you compare things like SARS and swine flu to COVID-19 and you're saying people are overreacting what you're really saying is I don't owe anyone else or even anyone in society, a damn thing. Because what you're saying is, I'm not in danger, so therefore, what do I care? Well, if you care about society and the community in general, and immunocompromised people, and the elderly, or just people who might have bad luck, because the virality of each individual instance can vary fairly significantly, even within certain demographics, you're just saying, I only care about me, and that's, that's, I don't owe anyone else anything. I'm not worried about what coronavirus is going to do to me. I'll be fine in all likelihood. My wife will be fine. My kid, even at 10 months old, 11 months old, will probably be fine. That's not the point. The point is, do I spread it to somebody who won't be? And do I overload healthcare systems as a consequence? Can you imagine having a pregnant wife who is scheduled to give birth in a month? and worried about whether the hospital has enough resources in a month to make sure that your kid is delivered into this world with proper care? Can you imagine if you have surgery scheduled, life-saving surgery, in a week or two? Right? If you have cancer and you're undergoing chemotherapy? If you're saying it's not a big deal, you're saying, I just don't care about these people. Let them have trouble. Let them die. That's what you're saying. And for the UFC to not care about doing COVID-19 testing for UFC Brasilia fighters is outrageous and it's irresponsible and I cannot believe they're doing it.
I guess I can. I guess I can. I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it. I guess I can. The Luke Thomas Show is your one-stop destination for MMA. If you're in a UFC title fight and you get finished in the first round, yo, you lost. Sports. I cheer for loser teams. As well as pop culture and entertainment. No matter what Star Wars comes out, I'll just find a way to like it. No. The Luke Thomas Show, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. On your home for combat sports. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 and the Sirius XM app now included free for most subscribers. So Dana White goes on SportsCenter last night because the only major sports organization on earth that is inadvisably continuing to do shows, and by the way, not testing athletes for COVID nineteen. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep saying this. They are not testing athletes in Brazil this weekend for COVID nineteen. It is unbelievable. Not again. Not that we're worried about the individual health of the athletes, although, of course, we wouldn't want any of them to get sick unnecessarily. But we're not worried really long-term about that kind of the population. We're worried about who they might come into contact with and how that might exhaust health resources. That is the argument. Okay? To not test the athletes for COVID-19 is so irresponsible, I barely know what to say about it. But they're going to try. Now... Dana goes on SportsCenter and has this interview. And I don't know. Do you know the name of the guy who did this interview? He's an African-American gentleman. I do not know his name. No, I have to go back and look. Uh, You know what? I could probably pull it up here uh, because he he and I went at it on Twitter yesterday. He was fairly calm. He was calm. He was very calm. He was not especially uh, irate about what I had to say. But he tried to defend himself. And I'm like, buddy, there is no defense of what you did. Uh, You did not ask any kind of pro. Michael Eaves is his name. Michael Eaves. You've probably seen him if you've watched SportsCenter a, a time or two. In any event, um, so let's run this, and then we'll stop it. Here's here's how you know when to stop it, Michael. Let the question be asked, let the answer come in, and then before the next question begins, stop it for me, okay? But I want to make sure everyone hears both the question and the answer. Is that okay? Yeah, and you want to do that after every single question, correct? That's right. Let's roll it, please. UFC President Dana White joins us now here on SportsCenter. Dana, you've got a couple of cards over the next several weeks, some international locations and one also back here in the States. As it relates to that card in Brazil, what's the status? Yeah, so yesterday the governor of Brazil issued a decree uh, limiting the size of public events. So we are going to do the event live from Brasilia um, on ESPN and ESPN Plus tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, Saturday. And uh, and we're we're going ahead with it. You can't have over a hundred people there, so we will just have the staff that's running the event inside the arena that night. Okay. Uh, again, totally inadvisable that they're doing that, but nothing in and of itself in the answer there is especially troubling. He is simply setting up what they're doing. Okay. So far, no, no. Again, I don't like that they're going ahead with it, but we'll get to some of the details about why in just a second. So in and of, the, in and of itself, this answer is not what I really want to focus on. Keep going. So then you have another event the next week with Ty Woodley and Leon Edwards. That's scheduled for London. What are you hearing from health officials in the U.K. as it relates to what you're hearing so far in Brazil? Well, that event's going to proceed as planned. Uh, we're working closely with the government uh, if there's any changes over there. But as of right now, that event is moving forward. Okay, I want, to make, I want to be very clear about this. At the time of that recording, that event, let's see, what is it, the 13th? Uh, that event is in, let's see, uh, eight or nine, it was nine days away. In nine days, with cases doubling over themselves, each and every day, you're talking about an exponential growth curve, 
which is A, what we are currently on, and B, which matches a pattern of what Italy was on. And look at where they are, which is not some third world country. It is an advanced economy. I'm not saying it has the best health care in the world, but it's got very good health care. And in particular, in the north, in the Lombardy region, it's supposed to be some of the best health care in the entirety of that country. It is not some poor third world rundown place. That's a first world country with a first world economy and first world in general health care. Look at the state they are in. They are literally flying in Chinese other doctors and resources because they simply don't have enough to meet the, the existing demand, that, the, the, the strain that this disease has put on the country. The only things open in Italy are pharmacies and food stores. That is it. Okay, We are on the exact same path from a mathematical standpoint. Understand where we're going to be in nine days. By the way, I think by the time it comes around in nine days, there's no chance that that show happens. I don't really believe that. Frankly, I'm not even really convinced that tomorrow will happen, but that seems at least uh, probable at this point. So we're not, we're not looking at any patterns of how this virus has spread in any other country. In countries that are matching the same patterns as the one the U.S. is under, um, we have an exponential growth curve. We have very little testing happening in this country, a, a, a literally negligent amount of testing, um, and we're going to fly people over there to go do that. While, by the way, their own country is having its own growth issues on a, on a very similar trajectory to the one we're on. It's, it's shocking he is saying what he is saying. Next. Then you are back here in the States Columbus, Ohio, on March 28th. You got a huge heavyweight card there. And again, it, we've seen all these sports leagues in America cancel their events, let alone postpone them. What are you going to do in Columbus? Yeah, so Columbus, uh, the governor today issued a ban on public events over 100 people in a single room. So we're actually going to move that event to the Apex, our arena here in Las Vegas that we own on our campus here in, uh, in Las Vegas. And we are, uh, you know, we're working directly with the Nevada State Athletic Commission and Executive Director, uh, Executive Director Bob Bennett on implementing a process to screen athletes before they compete. So one, one of the things that we always do, we're always looking out for the health and safety of our fans, our athletes, whatever it might be. You know, obviously, this thing going on, we're, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to make sure that two healthy athletes are competing and uh, these guys are good to go. We've, we've reached out to, to most of our fighters. Uh, you know, we haven't reached out to the whole roster yet. We have 600-something fighters. But these guys are ready to go. They want to fight. They want to compete. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to keep them safe. Okay, he did not say that they were going to do COVID-19 testing for any of their athletes in the UK, which is to say that they're not, but that was not clarified. We know for a fact, we know for a fact, because before this interview even happened, Guillerme Cruz of MMA Fighting, who is Brazilian and in Brazil, along with other Brazilian media, reported explicitly COVID-19 tests are not being administered to UFC athletes this weekend. To my knowledge, they're not being applied to UFC staff. They're not being applied to commission members. To my knowledge, they're not being applied to any of the 100 or so people whatever the number ends up being, who are going to be at the facility in Brasilia for this event. And he is out here saying on national television that they want to make sure they have two healthy athletes competing. You literally don't know that that is true this weekend, and I don't know what the answer is for the following. But he did not indicate that was anything that was going to be happening in the U.K. Now, by the time they return to Nevada, it might be certainly more possible then, which would be in a better scenario, but by then... Will COVID-19 have run through MMA gyms? Will there be any geographic 
quarantines? Will there be any travel restrictions? Will there be any fight cancellations as a consequence? At that point, you're dealing with a much more advanced stage of the growth of this disease and condition than we are at this point today. It's just not in touch with reality. And if you're going to say that we're going to put two healthy athletes against one another in Nevada, that might be true then. It is matter of factly not true in Brazil. And it seems to be not true in the UK either, although that remains undetermined. Keep going. And I was going to ask you that question, Dana, in terms of the actual fighters themselves. All athletes want to compete regardless of circumstances, but there's no sport in America, in the world, quite honestly, that has as much close-to-close contact as UFC when it comes to athletes in close proximity to one another. So for the sake of our fans at home, can you give us an idea of the conversation you've had, not just with the fighters, but health officials, on how you can keep those fighters as healthy as possible? Absolutely. I mean, we've talked to everybody about this. And every time we put on an event, this just isn't now because of the coronavirus that we're going to do extra health and safety. We always go overboard. In the over 25 years that the UFC has been around, there's never been a death or serious injury in the UFC. Think about that. Think about our sport and think about there's never, you know why? Because we always go overboard with health and safety. And that's what we're going to do here. I talked to the president and the vice president of the United States today about this. And, and they're taking this very serious, you know, and, and they're saying, be cautious, be careful, but live your life and stop panicking. Everybody is, is panicking, and instead of panicking, we're actually getting out there and working with doctors and health officials and the government to figure out how we keep the sport safe and how we can, can continue to put on events. So there's no, there's no real answer there. I don't know what the hell he's saying that's supposed to be anything of any kind of significance. You're saying you're talking to the president and vice president. First of all, why are they talking to fight promoters? rather than dealing with an emergency. They did not declare a state of emergency until today. And I know a lot of you don't want me to get political. I don't want to get political. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about omoplatas and uppercuts and everything else. But sometimes there is this intersection between politics and sports that is simply unavoidable. And the nature of the unbelievably, I mean, just cataclysmically bad job that our federal government is doing by any measurement, by any epidemiologist, by any modern epidemiological standard, is without debate, it is outrageous. Second of all, here's a report from the New York Times. Quote, Thomas P. Bossert, a former Homeland Security advisor to President Trump, has tried repeatedly in recent days to be patched through to the president or vice president, Mike Pence, to warn them just how dire the coronavirus pandemic really is, only to be blocked by White House officials, according to two people familiar with the events. By the way, one of them is going to be Bossert himself. It left him to try to get the president and the public's attention through newspaper op-ed articles, television appearances, and Twitter messages like the one that panned Mr. Trump's European travel ban as a poor use of time and energy, end quote. You've got folks who have been close to the president who no longer are, who are in touch with the problems, and they can't get in touch, but Dana White obviously uh, uh, somehow can. It's a waste of our president's time. It is a waste of our vice president's time to be talking to him. They're not giving him information that is what is in conjunction with any other healthcare organization or epidemiological society is out there repeating. And you're saying you haven't had a death or a serious injury. No one is worried about COVID-19 with this particular population, although I suppose with older commissioners that's a little bit different story, but certainly as it relates to UFC fighters, of them perishing. We are not, not the concern. The concern is, as I've stated before, to what extent do they spread it, and then to what extent does that put a drain on healthcare resources for people who might actually need help in a much more serious and profound way. 
And again, we go back to it. How can you claim you're doing any of the things that go above and beyond the measures required if you're not COVID testing in Brazil this weekend? Next. Let me ask you something in relation to the fans, because, again, we are dealing with multiple governments here in your next few events, whether it's Brazil, the U.K., or back here in the United States, because health officials are talking about, as it relates to sports, it's not just the athletes competing in close proximity, it's also the fans. And granted, some of these arenas, as you mentioned, will be limited to 100 fans or less, but will there be anything in place for those fans to try to be as healthy as possible in terms of how they interact? Absolutely. The fans, the cornermen, the referees, the judges. I mean, there's a lot of people that this affects. Um, and yes, we're looking into all that. We're actually working um, on a new t- with this new technology right now. It's infrared that checks people's temperatures when they walk into the arena. It's actually going to check people's temperatures. Somebody has a high temperature. We pull them aside. We, we see what's going on with them. So we're literally looking at all different types of technology and, and uh, it, you know, medical experts and all these different things on on how we can make this thing safer okay a report from the new york times today that these guns that measure fever they are wildly inaccurate and they don't work well number two with covid19 you can spread it pre-symptomatic so fuck all good that does it has also been shown by epidemiologists that if you actually do want to test for fever you might catch some that's fine it's not utterly worthless but it's very inconsistent and again, there's problems because you can be pre-symptomatic and still spread it. But on top of that, if even if you catch somebody with it, with a high fever or whatever the case may be, you have to separate them. And then when they get separated, then they need to be tested for COVID-19. And what China realized, apparently, was that if you just send these people back home, yes, they are not out in the public, but they're going to get all of their family sick. And then when the family gets sick, it just spreads that way. That's not the way to do it. You actually have to isolate them from the rest of the population. Are there any triage centers that the UFC has set up for any of this? Is there any part of that that's happening? Not to my knowledge. And you're telling the world you're going above and beyond the call of duty. It's simply not true. It's simply not true. It is not in keeping with what any healthcare officials or entities are suggesting are best practices or even better, leading practices. Keep going. Hey, it's been a great start to UFC here in 2020. Of course, the return of Conor McGregor, the fight we had uh, just last weekend, and you got Ferguson and Habib scheduled for April 18th. And if we can get to that fight without any disruption, I know the UFC, UFC fans more than anyone will be thankful for that. And Dana White, we appreciate your time updating the fans here on the UFC schedule on SportsCenter. Boy, thank Michael you. Eves, I appreciate it. Michael Eves, a real, I'm sure he's a nice guy. You fell down on the job, my guy, because it was known. It was known before this interview that Cab MMA was not going to test for COVID-19 and you just let him get on here and say just demonstrably false things or certainly things that require significantly more questioning than that. Next time somebody tells you that ESPN is a news organization, you have all my permission in the world to laugh in their face. They are not. They are the people that pat the back and rub the shoulders of the leagues or organizations whose content they broadcast. They are no more than that, and they are no less than that. That is the fact. That is the truth. That was a terrible interview with bad news getting out there. That is with dangerously irresponsible acts that these guys are undertaking, and you let him moonwalk the entire time. You should be embarrassed. 
Sirius XM and DAZN have teamed up to give boxing fans the daily coverage they deserve with the Ock and Barack Show. Say it, baby. <laughs> Every weekday, Ock and Barack bring you their fresh and modern perspective on boxing with interviews with the biggest names in the game and the celebrities who love it. Boxing, culture, lifestyle. It's the Ock and Barack Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. We bring the fight to you. Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. And on the Sirius XM app. I do want to talk fights with this gentleman because he has a lot to say when it comes to talking fights. But I'm also curious about some other stuff as well. He is the proprietor and owner and head coach over at Factory X in Denver, Colorado. A regular here on the show. We always appreciate his time. It is the one and only Mark Montoya. Mark, how are you, sir? Luke, what's up, man? I was actually just watching President Trump declare a national emergency um for the the coronavirus this is uh this is some unprecedented times you know what before we break down the uh individual nature of uh, these fights which they may not even take place at this point but let's assume that they will still first i want to talk to you as a gym owner i got a i got an email from a westerner who lives in shanghai china and he says life has not quite returned to normal, but people are, are out and about more. They're going to restaurants and bars, uh, movies. But he said one thing that is still closed, and they're not even supposed to open until June, apparently, are gyms. Um, you're a guy who's owned a gym. And, I mean, there's a couple of questions here. One, is there any way to screen at the gym on any kind of basis that matters for COVID-19? And then what happens if the government in either the Denver uh, city or the Colorado government or there's a federal shutdown on gyms. What is your view of what this might mean for you and your business? Yeah, that's a, that's a scary proposition and proposal. I think, you know, obviously my family depends on my business running and my business is twofold. One, obviously servicing the, the public and, and what we call the open students and children. So, you know, there's just regular Joes off the street training. And then, of course, second is, is the fighting side, which we talk a lot about. And so both right now are a little bit in question. I, I can tell you that, like, I, I can only speak about my gym, but I know most gyms are, are always diligent about the safety and health of, of the students. It's, it's it's imperative that we consistently are are being clean and and obviously approaching all that and teaching our students how to do that and you know just small things from you know skin diseases to big things like staff and and MRSA you know those are those are things that we've seen change the trajectory of MMA in the sense of fighters not being able to compete or uh, people having to go to the hospital and and you know sometimes. Uh, being threatened to lose a limb because of stuff like that. So, you know, that's always been at the forefront of our mind as a business owner when it comes to, you know, an MMA gym is the cleanliness of it. So that's never stopped. That hasn't changed. I think with what's going on right now, we know that this time of year is always a, a tricky time of year with the flu and just people being sick coming into spring. This is consistently... Uh, you know, time that we get approached with, with sickness. So th- that's not new. Uh, the, the new part is that the hysteria that this coronavirus has created and then the impact that it puts on everybody, not just us involved, just the economy as a whole, people working, not working, obviously bills getting paid, not getting paid. 
that of course would impact us greatly and, and many others, not just my business, but a lot of businesses. And so, um, you know, the, the, the thing that we consistently preach and do is, Hey, let's, let's make sure that we aren't coming to the gym sick. Let's make sure that we're cleaning our gear. And, and, you know, we're diligent about doing that uh, twice a day at, at, you know, factory X. And I, I know many gyms across the world are doing the same type of thing. And so it's the cleanliness of it is not new. So I, I, I some of it is quite, ridiculous the in my opinion the response to this i i understand the severity that it could cause but this isn't new this time of year to have a flu type symptom come through a gym or a business or what have you and us have to combat those things and then educate people when to come in and when not to come in and and how to stay healthy and not have you ever had any kind of a I mean, because this can involve ringworm too or staff, I suppose. Have you ever had any kind of an outbreak at your gym of any kind? Because I've been to a million gyms where you have. I'm wondering how common it might be for a gym that is like yours. And what I mean by that is you've got a lot of people going through there, but it's like a world-class facility. So there's usually a lot more uh, care taken in that kind of a thing. Yeah, I would never say that there's been an outbreak. Has there ever been any type of skin disease throughout our facility? Absolutely. I'd be lying if I said no. But it's held to an extreme minimum because of the care that we take and then the education that we give to our fighters and students. And so, you know, that's something I've always taken seriously because I know the severity of that. You know, uh, um, something like ringworm is as contagious as the flu. And so, you know, you get something like that and it's it's rampant. And so you have to really be on top of that stuff and be able to recognize what is and isn't and also educate our coaches and, and our students of what, what to look for. And so, um, you, you know, there's been cases before, but they're held at a minimum because again, the, that we take it serious and then the education. And, and I think that's essentially what they're doing with the coronavirus. It's just the, the tragedy of it is, is the, the mass hysteria that it's created and, you know, I get, I understand the precautions because like, like us, they have to take precautions to eliminate the spread of this. It's just, um, it's just unfortunate that we're sitting in a, in a time where we, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I've never experienced something like this. We've experienced a lot of things from SARS to, um, you know, a bunch of different uh, sicknesses or illnesses that, influenza, all those type of things that we've seen, but I've never seen it like this. Have you, Luke? No, although I would say, and I'm pushing back a little bit on this, Mark, this is highly unique at the same time. I mean, the the issue, as I understand it, is I'm not worried about your fighters potentially getting sick and then having some kind of damaging effect on them per se, although one never knows, but the, the, the studies on this one, are, or the, the evidence we have from Korea and China and from other places, is that they're part of a population that doesn't have to really worry about it. The ones I worry about are places like Italy, which did a poor job of containment. And again, most people are 80, upwards of 80% are just fine. 
But the endangered populations, the elderly, the immunocompromised, people under chemo, potentially pregnant women, they end up having to get uh, exhausting health resources, which then tri- trickles over into other areas, which is to say, I mean, for example, let me give you an, uh, a consideration here. Would you want to fight in a state that had exhausted uh, hospitals, where if your fighter had to go to the hospital, they would be not able to be seen immediately? I mean, I, I, would, I certainly would not want a friend to compete under those conditions. Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, part of the, the the trickiness of this thing is if you're going to have competition right now, uh, I, I you know they've got to be looking at at those factors, and so you know the competition the competition factor is a big deal. You've seen most major sports organizations shut down at this present moment temporarily, and then you know they they haven't given a date when they're going to start. I think the UFC is sitting in a unique position where um, they have some, they do have a card in Brazil. I'm not sure whether it's going to happen or not. From what I'm hearing, it's still happening. Obviously there's no fans involved and they're keeping that at a low minimum, but um, you know, the UFC is in a, is in a unique spot where they could use the apex center, which um, eliminates the crowds and the fans and the people that, you know, they're trying to protect from the mass outbreak. And so they put themselves in a unique position to be able to still compete. And like you're asking or saying is would, would, for example, Vegas be available to service a fighter if he was injured because of, of what's going on. And I, and I'm going to lean on the UFC brass and say, I'm assuming that they are looking at those type of things in order to put on a card here in the future uh, without having that type of complication. All right, last question on this, then we got to talk some fights because there's no point in having Mark Montoya on if I can't pick his brain. But last thing about this, given what we know now and given the scenario now, would you allow a fighter to compete in any arena? Uh, when I say arena, I mean Bellator, UFC, whatever, if there was not COVID testing of themselves or their opponents. Um, so you're asking me, would I allow one of my fighters? I just want to make sure I understand what you're asking me. Would I allow sure. one of my fighters to compete in any promotion without having the coronavirus testing on both fighters? Is that what you're asking me? Correct. Um, it's a tough one. It's an int- interesting question, actually. I don't know. I don't know if I have that answer. I think. Um, well, the regional ones. I don't know if they even have the financial capability, so they might be well, excluded just by about. default, right? But let's assume Bellator does. Although Bellator doesn't have a show for Bellator doesn't have a show till mid May, um, but yeah. UFC has the money. If you had like a, uh, someone of that caliber, a one, a UFC, something like that, which does have the financial wherewithal to make it happen, what about them? I don't know. I got. I got to be honest with you. I'm going to have to pass on the question because I don't have enough of the background yet from the. U- this is so new uh, with everything happening right now, and I know the UFC is in Brazil right now, and so this is so new with everything that it would be tough for me to answer that without having more conversation with the UFC about what we're going to do here moving forward. I mean, of course, I have fighters coming up here um, soon and so it's 
it's hard it's hard to say yes or no to that without having more conversation with the UFC about this. All right, let's move into the fights themselves. So here's the thing with Kevin Lee, uh, Mark. He seems incredibly talented. I've I've interviewed him a million times. I like the guy a lot. He got with Faraz Zahabi, which, as you know, is a, is a professional in every sense of the word. And I recognize he was in a foreign country with some weird circumstances happening around the week. Okay, I get it. But how is he still missing weight? I just don't understand. Oh, man, that's a that's a good question. He is super talented. I've actually have Ke- I've had Kevin in Factory X before uh, when he was kind of tr- trying to figure out what he was going to do next. He actually came and paid us a visit, and we we trained a little bit um, before he decided that he wanted to go to uh, Montreal for you know his his fighting camps and what have you. So super talented kid um, has tons of potential. His future is super bright. I think his decision moving back to 155 was that he thought he had a better chance to compete consistently there and, and, and win a title. And so, uh, but he did go up to 70, as you recall in the past, and he's just a tweener is the thing. He, he's such a, he's such an in-between body type for, 55 and 70 that it's it's really it's really a it's not an easy cut at all for him at 55 i know in his last fight he was able to do it but he was coming off of fighting at at 170 if i recall right am i right about that he was fighting at 170 and then moved back down yeah but he fought gregor gillespie now granted that was in new york like i said home country but uh he made wait for that one without a whole lot of issue no, but I think I just want to clarify. He before he fought Gillespie, he fought at seventy prior to that, correct? Yes, he uh, against RDA and it yes. didn't go great. Exactly. So this is my point that I'm that I'm uh, making is so his body was fighting at one seventy. He was at one seventy. Of course, the RDA fight didn't go the way he wanted, which is probably part of the reason why he had dropped back down, thinking, "Hey, I'm going to have better chance to." succeed at 55 but his body hadn't been stressed in the previous fight or two moving that weight to 55 when he comes off 170 his body is stabilizing out he fights rda he hasn't making these hard cuts to 55 and his body's relaxed and chill he makes the cut to 55 which is a hard cut for him his body responds to it by jumping probably higher weight than he was sitting at fighting at 170 because of the hard cut. And then, you know, you unfortunately miss weight because of that. I, I, a prime example of that is you guys know that Anthony Smith is one of my fighters. He fights, he was fighting at 185. It was a terrible cut. Uh, I hated the cut from the second I started training Anthony. We had many multiple cuts that were just terrible. One of which was one of the worst ever in Belém, Brazil, right? when we ran out of hot water and the whole type of thing, we still made weight, but it was a terrible cut. My point in saying this to you is that Anthony, for example, now have, have, as he's been fighting at 205, his body has stabilized and he's sitting at less of a weight than he was sitting when he was fighting at 85 because his body is like, okay, cool. We're not going to die here. I'm just going to chill out and relax. And, um, he his his body weight right now sitting fighting at 205 is less than it was 
when he was fighting in 85. So I think that's what's going on with Kevin Lee. Got it. Now he's matching up with Charles uh, Oliveira, who has had his own ups and downs. But when we think about this fight and you think about the principal task of each guy, what is it? I'm sorry, uh, Luke, that broke up a little bit. We've, we've uh, say that one more time. Sure. He's facing off against Charles Oliveira. When you think about the principal yep. task involved here for both guys, what is it? Well, first, I would say Oliveira, of course, wants to be on the ground and, and, and attack and submit Lee. And I would say Lee wants to use his, his wrestling background to eliminate any type of ground activity and put Oliveira out, you know, on the feet. And so it, it's simple, the both game plans, but not easy to execute because both are ninjas in their own right when, when you speak of both perspectives. One, Lee wants to finish on the feet, which he just showed in his most recent fight, that that's possible. He showed in past fights that he's got extraordinary power for for his that weight class of 55. And then Oliveira has shown that he can he can get a hold of someone and once he gets a hold of someone it's really tough for them to get away and so and he finishes from there so both of those guys that's that's what their goals would be and who can execute is the is the big question of course that's why they fight and and um that that's the big big question here is who's going to be able to execute now lee has shown that with his power and his and his wrestling background that He's really good there. And Oliveira has shown that he can submit guys once he gets a hold of them. But Oliveira also has been clipped a few times trying to make that happen. And uh, that, that potentially is, is the threat. So that's what I would say when you ask me that question. And then we go to the co-main event. Gilbert Burns taking on Deming and Maya. Really interesting clash. Not just of two fighters, but of two jiu-jitsu styles. And folks might say, oh, it could cancel each other out. I suppose that that is true, that it could. At the same time, Damian Maya has, no matter who he's faced, including Gunnar Nelson more recently in his career, he's just gone to the jiu-jitsu no matter what. I suspect we will see some here. How do you see those two tying up? Well, I, I think Gilbert Burns is super, super um, dangerous on the ground as well. I think Damian Maya is probably the best MMA grappler we've ever seen. And <clears throat> that, that's saying a lot for given all the talent that we see in the UFC. So, but Gilbert Burns, man, if you watch that guy grapple, I mean, he's, he can grapple and uh, he's more dynamic on the feet. So I think with him being more dynamic on the feet and <clears throat> his grappling just, background and what he's shown he can do not only in the cage but also just in straight jiu-jitsu matches i think gilbert burns actually wins that fight because of him being more dynamic on the feet yeah and he's got good enough jiu-jitsu to probably keep himself for the most part safe on the ground i would imagine um all right well we appreciate your time mark stay safe out there we'll monitor the situation of course as you all will as well and I uh, wish you nothing but the best this weekend, and we'll see how things progress in the industry. But always appreciate your time and certainly your insight as well. Hey, you're welcome, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. And like I always tell you, anytime you need me, just feel free to give me a call. Keep doing great stuff, man. You're, you're killing it. Thank you so much, Mark. Just the same. The feeling is uh, mutual. 
Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.